I want to introduce Frank Mayo. And so Frank is creating this week and next week uh, as we worship. He is a painter and artist, and he is creating on our theme of sleepless nights. And so Frank, thank you so much. And he does this as an act of worship, right? So we appreciate it. And so he is going to create um, today as we go. So we're starting a new series um, called Sleepless Nights. And uh, in this, for everybody I've talked to, it it immediately resonates. Everyone seems to have sleepless nights. And even if they don't, because of whatever reason, they still seem to know what we mean when we ask this question, what keeps you up at night? So this is a six-week kind of series that isn't meant to end a conversation. It's actually meant to begin one. We want this to begin a conversation. This is our sort of our main purpose for doing this, kind of like uh, our main hope for this whole series is, is multifaceted. Sort of the big ideas behind this when we mention this of sleepless nights, I mean the big ideas are this. God is present with us in our sleepless nights. He is near. Now that might be something incredibly hard to imagine in sleeplessness. Because it's the last thing that anyone desires, especially when you're tired. The other thing that we think is a main sort of even big idea for this is that there's good news to proclaim and demonstrate to one another in our sleepless nights. As we share the reality of things that keep us up with one another, as we share the the true experiences of being really authentic people who have a whole list of things and reasons that keep us up, we think there's opportunities to demonstrate care, love, listening, and to demonstrate God's love for one another, and to proclaim the good news when it's appropriate within those sleep at nights. Another big idea for this, this whole thing, is that everyone who breathes air has sleepless nights. And these sleepless nights create opportunities for us to be Jesus to our neighbors The reality is it is that the majority of our neighbors have an idea about Christians that they do not care about their longings, their losses, or their hopes or dreams. That Christians do not care about their sleepless nights. All they care is about certain facts that they believe about who God is. Not about the reality of the depths of their life. And so what we long for this conversation to bring is this multifaceted conversation, one that we begin to have with God an honest and authentic conversation. We begin to have God, and God begins to have with us regarding our sleepless nights. We want to be one that drives us in conversation to one another, that we begin to be honest and authentic with what's going on in our sleepless nights. And we want to be one that's going to drive us in our workplaces and in our neighborhoods. And as we're talking to people, to begin to care and to listen differently to the messages of sleepless nights that they share with us. Not to have to have something to say in return, but to love people and to genuinely care and listen. We think something like this actually changes who we are and changes the world. And so we pray that we would step into that. So I need some help this morning. I need two people who, um, who can spell okay um, and that can write decently with the marker um, and... Um, can join me up here. Do I have two volunteers who don't mind writing, being scribes? Scott, come on up. How about one more? I see somebody else's hand raised in the back. Come on up. I got my glasses on there. And so, 
come on up from the back. Thank you. Is that Bethany? So Scott, help me pull this up here, and we're going to spin it, and we'll just we'll step up. So Nate and I began dreaming about this conversation that we wanted to lead us about sleepless nights, and we began to kind of make our list, these bigger themes, right? And so Bethany and Scott, if you guys will take a marker, if one of you will take a brown, other one will take a blue, you can take blue and you can take brown. And so here's the list that we came up with. Like, what keeps us awake at night? And we began to ask people, right? And these are some, so aging, right? Keeps, keeps people awake. Their body is changing and they're experiencing less sleep as they age. Or the fear of aging keeps them up. The fear of the future. The fear for our children, our kids, as we look at the world honestly and begin seeing what's happening in the world. Grief and loss keeps us awake. Anxiety, depression, unmet longings. Those longings can be really good, but they're not met, and we've ached for them. They keep us up at night. Um, guilt and regret over the things we've done or in relationships, missed opportunities. Now, some positive dreams keep us up. Anticipation for what's to come, like Christmas Eve, if you're a child or like me and a child. Um, the other thing, worry. Now, uh, some of these fit into that. Uh, money, the worry of money, right? Or, or stress, or I think the other one we're supposed to have up there is work. Work-related things that are coming. And another one I forgot to put up there is like bad dreams. Right? The idea, literal bad dreams that wake us up in the middle of the night. Mm, terror. So, I don't think we covered it. What keeps you, what keeps you awake? Is there a, a nuanced word or something? What, what can we add to this? And so as you yell it out, Scott, Beth, you be ready to write them down. Because this is a big list. I, I, saw, some, I saw some hands. And so if you feel it, yell it out. Pain, oh yeah, good one. Absolutely. Hurt. hurt. Oh. Emotional hurt, physical hurt. Uh, yeah. Arguments. Arguments. Oh. Conflict. Yeah. Kids. <laughs> Perfect. So true. <laughs> bad choices <laughs> right like or whatever that could be you watch the wrong movie right before you go to bed right oh Any, anything else right because we this we have not exhausted oh yeah thank you I mean, we could keep going, and I invite you to keep writing and, and filling this in. The reality is, is that there, there are, are tons of things that continue to keep us up, the sort of the sleepless nights. And so here's what I want to ask, just so we get this picture that is true and accurate. Who in here has had some form, I don't mean, you guys stay up all night, but when it says, hey, when you say the word sleepless night, what keeps you up at night, in the last year, you, have, you would have something, you could say, oh yeah, I have something. A sleepless night in the last year, raise your hand. Now raise them high because this is really meant to show humanity. You know, right? So do you see this? Look around. Everybody put it up. Everybody put it up. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. We all, we all relate. We all experience this in some ways. And if we haven't, we will. It's a part of life. And so we want to engage in this conversation today about this. About these things that 
keep us up at night. In my own life, um, I was like, oh, I don't, I was talking to Carl about this. I was like, I, recently I've had some. I, I, I woke up like three weeks ago and all of a sudden be faces of people who used to attend here who don't anymore. Like sort of the broken relationships, or the fractured ones, or feel like you didn't measure up, or hidden expectation, or for whatever of those. I woke up thinking about them, being anxious, regret, right? Um, maybe guilt, or maybe a little bit of grief in that, or hurt, or the feeling of insignificance, or of weakness. And then my, I was saying, what? but I, I don't really experience a lot of sleepless nights. And then Carmel's like, oh my gosh, you do all the time with your night terrors. So anybody who knows me, I have these crazy dreams that happen. And, and whenever I've told, I, we kind of laugh because I've had like dreams like spiders were coming out of my butt. And, <laughs> and the, the, like most people are paralyzed in their dreams, but night terrors are when you're not. And so you can only imagine if you thought spiders were coming out of your butt what you would do. <laughs> I am doing that, you know, freaking out and stripping naked, you know, and running from the room. And so we laugh, right? And, but I can remember having these terrors, these, these dreams of things where I would live them out within, within the setting of my home. And anytime I've mentioned that to anybody who has any kind of psycholo- psychology background or anything and they know anything about night terrors, they continue to think, hmm, what happened to him that is unresolved? <laughs> right? Because it's coming out. So it's affecting my sleep. And it's coming out in my dreams. I don't, I don't know exactly where it's coming from. But it's coming from somewhere. We all have sleepless nights. Things that are grabbing us. Uh, this year, the elders, and, and as we were praying about God's message to us, it was from Ephesians 3.20, and it was this language of them, to him who was able to do immeasurably more, all than we ask or seek according to his power, that's at work within us. And when we're talking about sleepless nights, we're not resigning to the fact that we have them. We want to accept them and use them and leverage them for the fruit that God has in them for us, the good that God has in them for us that we can engage a conversation with him, a conversation with one another, and a conversation with our neighbors. We're not resigning, but we are accepting this reality. And we believe, we can't imagine all that God has for us. And so we want to anticipate that God has something for us as we begin to engage with him and one another in the world, that he has something good as we are actually being authentic and not living this really thin life that we try to ignore that anything heavy is going on. These really thin lives when we don't allow our character to really be developed by telling the truth of what's under the surface of our lives. Most people, when they think of Christians, they think of that. These incredibly thin people who are not telling the truth about what's going on. They're attracted to Jesus who seems to be robust in his living, honest about his pain, engaging with those who are hurting But yet Christians seem to be people who are ignoring it. We want to be those people who have not just thin lives, but robust lives and being authentic and true and who are being driven towards wholeness, not by resigning to life and not by denying it, but by accepting these realities of us. We pray that that would happen, that we would experience more than we could have dreamed or imagined by this engagement of God's power at work within us. And so our hope is is that we would get the sense that God was at work. God was at work. He is not done with us. 
And even though we might relate to the words of broken, our brokenness, that we could embrace the most beautiful truths of Scripture about a God who knows brokenness, who experiences brokenness, and comes near in our brokenness. So the anchoring text today, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. God's close to the brokenhearted. And the brokenhearted is this huge term, right? That the heart is sort of this inner life of our affections, our minds, of our will, our inner life of thought and feelings expressed in our actions. That God is near to the brokenhearted. The broken in heart, they've discovered that they're not in control of their lives. They cannot control their own lives. And that inwardly they're shattered, I don't know if you connect to this word of feeling this sort of inward shatteredness, this inward brokenness when it comes to your thoughts, your feelings, and then in all those being expressed in actions. Maybe you feel that when your actions, because your actions are driving you towards things that just continue to communicate to you your brokenness. If those are actions that are coping, that are terrible decisions. Or maybe it's even in your thinking, it continues to let you know your brokenness, this sort of inward shattering. God is near. He is close to the brokenhearted. So those who have discovered that they are inwardly shattered, they need divine help. They need God's help. The idea that the Lord is near, it means like close enough to touch. That's the kind of presence that God has. That's what we want to communicate today. That God is near to the brokenhearted. I mean, even Jesus, he said in, in the Sermon on the Mount, when he's talking to his disciples about the, the whole life, the blessed life, the, the happy life, the, the good life, when he said, blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. And so in here, we have this really strange sort of moment. We're talking about brokenheartedness. We know this is shattering, and we have this mourning, but yet we have this blessing of being comforted and God coming close. And so there's a part of it, it's like, man, if we're not aware, we're not being willing to embrace this, we are missing out on the reality of the nearness of God stepping in. We're missing out on a huge part of God who's willing to step into our shatteredness. And I don't think this is just one moment and then it's resolved, it's this lifelong journey of experiencing it. Gregory of Nisa said this, it's impossible for one to live without tears who considers things exactly as they are. Right? It's impossible to go through life without tears if you're really acknowledging the things the way they are. Being truthful, authentic, honest about the realities of life. I might, you may be like me in this, I fight against feelings of brokenheartedness. I battle against them. I don't want them. I'm not comfortable with them. I'm uncomfortable with the word sad. I don't like the word sad. I, w- I will rarely ever use it when it's talking about myself. There's others who can be sad, and I'll find ways to cope and explain away sad things. 
I can joke, I was sharing with some friends that I was traveling back from, I was going to Washington, and they had all the free movies, and as we were sitting there, and one of the movies was this movie called The Lion, and it's about this, a boy from India who got um, separated from his brother as they're on this trip, and he gets abandoned there because his brother actually dies there, and he gets pulled into an orphanage, and he can't find his mom, and he's adopted by a whole family, and he feels this whole sense of estrangement. I'm watching this story on this plane, sitting next to two strangers, and I am just overwhelmed with emotion, just wanting to weep, and I'm sitting here with tears rolling down and biting myself to not cry in front of these strangers, because it just felt so uncomfortable. Now, we can say, yeah, that's not the time and place when you're traveling to Washington, sitting there weeping as you're watching a film called The Lion, and maybe some of you have watched it. It's terrible and beautiful at the same time. But the, the truth of me is that I battle against it even in the appropriate settings, against being sad, feeling those senses of vulnerability. I've been seeing a therapist, and I, I just met with him just this last week, and we're talking about a number of things, and they're asking questions, and I'm telling stories. Um, and I was telling the story, and I began to sense sadness coming up in my soul, right? Like where I could begin to cry. Like the truth that I expressed was beginning to bring emotion of sorrow and sadness as I began to relate back to my story of being raised and speak about my birth father and told some sort of story about never being invited on a vacation. You know, and I was like, oh, I was never, I was never invited to join his family on vacation. And all of a sudden I felt sadness come up. And I pushed it because I told myself, I'm not going to cry about that here. That's not why I'm here. Right? That's what I, <laughs> what? That's exactly why I'm there. But I said, I'm not going to do it. And I pushed it down. I didn't even tell him. I can feel it. These sorrow. But some of us are like, we're tired of that. Tired of that feeling. Tired of that sorrow. Tired of that brokenness. And so maybe you're uncomfortable with it. This lack of awareness, this lack of being able to embrace what is, this inability to recognize um, what's on the inside of us, the willingness to go there, is the soil out of which alienation and estrangement arise. It produces some really toxic stuff. Can I, can I say that again? It's, like, it's sort of like the ground which things grow. This, this lack of awareness... There's an inability to recognize what is going on in the inside of us is the soil out of which the sense of alienation arises. The lack of awareness is the ground of our dis-ease and our brokenness. Psalm 42, this beautiful psalm of David, um, it begins, it says, Oh, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where's your God? That's estrangement. That's alienation, right? God has forsaken you. Your friends have forsaken you. The world has forsaken you. You have forsaken you. You are estranged from yourself. Where's your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Do you see these two things? Here's this question. Why? 
Why am I so disturbed? Why am I so aching? Why am I so lost in this moment? What's going on inside of me? Why? Why is this going on? In the midst of this psalm is this question of why, this longing for hope that again God will, because again it says, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. At the end of it in verse uh, 10 and 11, it says, My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Again, estrangement, alienation. It comes in here, right? This enemy wants us to feel estranged and alienated from everybody, especially from God. And then here's our question. Why am I so, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. One of the greatest challenges for, if you like me and your favorite others, one of the greatest hindrances to the life of wholeness, which is not perfection that God is calling us to, but a life of wholeness, of an integrated, fully integrated life, is awareness of what's going on. And that awareness comes with questions like, why, why, soul, are you so down? Why, soul, are you so sleepless? What is going on in me? Why? And now you may know the answer, but being able to speak those things loud, to share those with others, to be able to talk about that is so good. And so are you, do you even ask yourself and even ask others, why? Why are you so down? Why are you so hurting? What is going on? What's going on with your sleepless nights? And within this is this lack of awareness. And when there's this lack of awareness, it produces estrangement. Where is your God? It's the question the enemy wants to keep bringing and pushing upon us. We feel alienated from the world, from others, so we will run from them, alienated from God, and even from our own self, estranged. We feel alienated from our own authentic, our own authenticity and truth. See, brokenness is anything that blocks our continuing growth and development. And we have a God who longs for us to flourish and to grow and develop more into his likeness as he recreates us into his likeness. All this is done through the work of Jesus. Anything who blocks us from developing and growing is this brokenness. And unaddressed, and if we're unaware of it, it stifles us and we feel stagnant and stuck. And we are. But the receptive soil, the receptive soil is the soil that has been broken up, that has been dug into, that has been, has been tilled, has been pushed, it's been fertilized. You know what fertilizer is? There's a whole bunch of crap that's been put on it, right? Yeah. That's the, that's the life. It's been filled with a whole bunch of hardship. But it's broken. The receptive soil is able to acknowledge that this has been put there. These trials have been there and are there. We've been broken up. We've been tilled. We've been weeded. Completely broken. But brokenness, acknowledge brokenness, receive brokenness, is a soil that can move us towards wholeness. Because it provides, it provides the vulnerability that makes us open to God. Right? As we're open to his words, we're open to trust him, we're open to hear him and to receive him. As Jesus said, hey, the good soil is the one who receives my word and acts upon it. And they bear a fruit in their life. 
Brokenness is the soil which we can move forward. And wholeness is about embracing brokenness as an integral part of our life. A part of this series, and one of the things that we want to do is that we wanted to, um, we want to give people, we want to give voice here because your experience, your experience of, broke, of sleepless nights is learning. You, you know a lot about this topic if you've experienced broken sleepless nights. Your experience is a huge amount of learning. And so every week we're going to open up opportunities for you to hear from people who have, from we think, experience and best practices for this. And so I want to invite Hannah Hoskins. She, um, I, I, I threw it out there on Facebook and she um, sadly mentioned some things on Facebook. I was like, oh, Hannah, beautiful. Would you share about those um, with everybody? And she, she said, yes. And so she's going to be sharing just a person who has experience within this topic of sleepless nights and her best practices. So Hannah, thank you. Thank you. Good morning. I'm sitting back there trying not to cry, which is not my uh, typical MO, but thank you for being vulnerable in sharing about that experience because I think that that speaks to a lot of people who have any type of emotion that sometimes that suppression can just really eat away at you. Um, So this past week, I thought about this invitation to share many times. And while the invitation itself didn't necessarily cause me sleepless nights, thank goodness, I am all too familiar with the practice of waking up, rolling over, seeing 3.30 a.m. on the clock. I usually sigh pretty heavily and swear, some swear words. (laughs) For context, um, some of the things that keep me up at night are on this list, grief, heartbreak, um, frustration, the fret and worry that comes with the unknown. Can you guys hear me on these? Anybody relating to this list? Um, Disappointment uh, around outstanding decisions in life and unresolved and finished things. And thank God whoever said the news earlier, the news, right? Am I right? Um, My perception is is that many of us and many of these things and more keep us up at night. And sometimes when I have sleepless nights, there's this strange, buzzy energy that tends to come and causes me to get up and I'll go find something productive to do and I'm actually able to make it through the day with limited sleep and I feel okay. And then there's other instances where I'm completely undone, I'm inconsolable, and I'm a complete disaster after a sleepless night. And I think that that's more the norm and that's probably more most of us. So I wanted to share a few things um, in response to this that have helped me. And so for those of you that might be waiting for me to provide you with a long list of gospel truths, (laughs) scripture verses and encouraging reminders of who God is, that's you're gonna likely need to read a little bit more between the lines on this. Of course I pray and ask God to help with the thing, but sometimes it tends to be more frustrating and adds to my nighttime wander than it is comforting. Um, I've committed to the lifelong practice of talk therapy. So for the past 18 years, I spend an hour a week with a clinical therapist who challenges me, who guides me, who listens to me, and who calls me out on my crap. This practice has caused me to grow in the ability to be really honest with myself, 
to be very self-aware, as Bo was referencing. If I'm feeling frustrated or angry, for example, the process usually includes an honest inventory of my own actions, experiences and feelings about whatever it was that was making me frustrated. And if I can run through what role I had in that experience, whatever's keeping me up, then I usually have the ability to make peace with my own actions and find some resolve. For things like grief, which tends to be a little bit harder for some, heartbreak, pain, or fear that comes with grief, um, I have been learning recently to actually sit and assume a posture that forces me to have that feeling, that forces me to not push down the cry. So when you're trying to suppress that, you physically feel that tension in your throat and it kind of hurts a little bit in your stomach and you're pushing, trying really hard to not cry. So I've been working really diligently at trying to force myself to actually sit in a posture that allows me to feel the pain. Sometimes, like now, I will turn on a song that might make me cry. I'll read something that my dad wrote to me. I'll say out loud the things that I don't get to have or the disappointments that I'm experiencing in life. You say them out loud and you begin to become familiar with them. And it allows you to feel the hurt and the pain that's there and not suppress it. Um, there are many reasons why I find that, um, that that's happened. And um, one of the things that I think is really critical is this intentional effort around not letting sleeplessness win. It's not letting you become more angry about the fact that you're experiencing some sleeplessness. Um, and the best way I can describe this is sharing a little bit of an experience that I've been going through. So for the fast, past five months, and I mentioned this to Bo when we talked about this, my first thought was, does he know that I actually haven't been here for five months? <laughs> He's asking me to talk on Sunday. Um, but then I remembered that I don't negotiate my worth with the world and that God gave me something and an experience to share, and so I'm doing that. Um, so the past five months have been particularly challenging. There's lots of reasons, uh, mostly a job change that I thought was going to be great and turned into be a really toxic experience. And it um, shook me to my core a little bit more than I was expecting. And I found myself battling the ability to accomplish simple tasks. Get up. Get ready for work. Make your breakfast. Get in the car. Drive to work. Get out of the car. Walk into that toxic environment. I started to let myself stay in bed just a little bit longer wander around after getting up just a tiny bit longer, not moving as quickly through my morning routine just a little bit longer, sitting in my car in the parking garage just a little bit longer. And I found that the more I did that, the easier it was for me to not continue to move forward, to not show up. It just got justified as self-care. I just need a little bit more time to rest. I just need some more me time. I just need some more insert whatever comforting self-avoidant experience that you might 
have. And the reality is that sometimes self-care isn't sexy. It isn't sitting on the couch and resting. It's an honest inventory of what's really going on in your heart and in your mind. And having the courage to challenge myself to show up and contribute even when it hurt has been shaping a new habit and practice for me that has felt, for me, healthier than giving myself just a little bit more time. Um, so I wanted to make sure it was clear that the experience of showing up, turning my toes towards something and walking towards it as hard and as painful as it is, isn't resignation to the circumstance, to the thing that causes pain. In fact, it's a willingness to find acceptance in the midst of it. So it's not winning. That thing isn't winning over me. It's, I'm not resigning myself to it. I'm accepting that it is, and I'm going to keep showing up and moving forward and contributing in the midst of it. So when the sleepless nights come, when the heartbreak is there and the disappointment and pain is so loud that it keeps you awake, may you find encouragement to keep showing up and to keep contributing and to own that sleepless night. Thank you, Hannah. It's my timer for me. So, I mean, you, I heard tons of different things, right? About the experience and the learning of it. Kind of knowing in the sleepless nights, the challenge of it can be. But the, but the good practices that you may hear of somebody who is experiencing it talking it out, being with people, not resigning, engaging into it, being clear that sometimes our um, self-love, if it alienate, it's alienating us from others, from God, I don't know if that's self-care, right? And so it's just, we gotta be careful on those, and I so appreciate your expertise on this hand and your ability, uh, willingness to be able to share this to us. Wholeness is embracing our brokenness as an integral part of life so that it will drive us to the source of all life, which isn't about being perfect and managing life. It's about finding ourselves in Christ, in him. The beautiful part of Jesus, who not only says, in your brokenness, I will come near, not only says, in your mourning, you will receive comfort from whom? From God, is that he was one who experienced sleepless nights himself who took on flesh himself and experienced the reality of sleepless nights. He knows what that is like to grieve and to mourn, to feel estranged and alienated. And many of you, for last week, for Easter week, if you read the story of Jesus going into the garden before he's going to be crucified, ridiculed, mocked, how the voices of estrangement and alienation are going to cry out, where's your God? As you lay up there on the cross, if you're so great, how come he's abandoned you? And he steps into his sleepless night and begins to cry out to the Father, Oh, Father, if there's any other way. He begins to mourn deeply, grieved of spirit, and he invites his community with him who can't enter with him. They're too tired. And so they do alienate him. He cries out to God. And in Luke 22, what does it say? It says an angel visits him and comforts him. Comforting him as he despairs. 
This is a God who knows sleepless nights. What God? I mean, even that's just so weird. Most would say God should know sleepless nights. Even God himself says, I don't sleep. I don't tarry. I don't slumber so I can care for you and all my need. But when he comes to rescue us and to mend our brokenness of, of true estrangement that we've had with the world, with God, and with one another, he steps into our brokenness and even descends lower than it. And it's broken for us and has sleepless nights. This is our God who comes and says, in your brokenness, I come close. He knows what it's like to have sleepless nights. And in your mourning, I give comfort because he knows what it's like to mourn. This is a God that draws near to us. So we long to kind of put every part of me wants to run from those things. But in doing so, I am missing out on the communion of God and the part where he's created me to be human, which is to be vulnerable. See, if we learned anything from Genesis 3 and the story of the fall, it said when Adam and Eve were tempted by the serpent, they said, if you eat this apple, you'll be like God. And that moment we learned anything, we all want to be like God. We don't want to be human. And to be human is to be vulnerable. And so we're like, how can we get on without God? How can we just be God ourselves so we're no longer vulnerable to anything? You can't. We've been created human. And in that, our experience is vulnerability and brokenness. May we not run from it. May we welcome it. This may be helpful for you. It's called the welcoming prayer. You can find it online. It's a part of the contemplative prayer moment movement. For some of you, you'll read this and you'll think that just is sort of utterly gobbledygook. But for some of you who need techniques and tools where you struggle to welcome your feelings, your emotions, and what's going on and allow God to speak into it and to create space for that and language, this could be really helpful. If it creates silence for God to speak into the reality, the welcoming prayer goes, welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me in this moment because I know it is for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for security. I let go of my desire for approval. I let go of my desire for control. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. I open to the love and presence of God and the healing action and grace within. We need to be open to the part of God. We want this to drive this week a conversation for us. So we have a God who knows our brokenness. One last text before we go, and this is the promise. This is the hope that we have as we go. This is in Luke 4. This is Jesus. He was announcing his vocation, his part that he came to do. And he read from the scroll of Isaiah in Isaiah 61 that is talking about brokenheartedness and mending us. And so as I read this, I want to invite the worship team to come up. And we're going to sing a song about God's love being great. So I invite you guys, come on up, and we're going to end sort of worshiping and hearing the song of hope. But this text is what Jesus reads in Luke 4. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he's reading from the scroll of Isaiah, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to prisoners, people who are bound up, trapped, locked in, enslaved, estranged, alienated. Recovery, the sight for the blind, 
who are blind to God, blind to themselves, blind to their own need, blind to their own brokenness, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the, Lord, the year of the Lord's favor. The favor of the Lord is his nearness, that God is with us. Jesus has come to do this. Then he rolls up the scroll. He gives it to the attendant, and he sits down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened to him, and he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the work that Jesus has come to do. As we begin to engage in this conversation together about sleepless nights, we pray and hope that the one who has come to do this work, that you would experience that power of his work within you, the Ephesians 3, 19 and 20, that you cannot imagine or anticipate or even, even ask for all that God has prepared, the work that he's prepared within you. Let me even quote that correctly. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. According to his power, his presence, his spirit. May we journey together and with a God in the midst of our sleepless nights and experience his nearness, his healing, and his refreshment. Let's pray. So Father, we praise you, God. We don't, we, we don't like sleepless nights. But Lord, we do long for wholeness. We do long to be developed in growth. And we, we praise you that um, if we've believed a lie that says that we're done, we're stuck, we're alienated, there is no hope, we praise you for the hope of your scriptures. Praise you for the hope of Jesus, who not only knows our sleeplessness, our own, who experienced himself, but also has come to be the one who would bring healing, who would bind it up, who would help us, God, to live as, as even, as Hannah was talking about, about not quitting, that we begin to take those steps that you have invited to us by your work and by the power of your spirit. So Holy Spirit, would you come? God, would your voice speak in too? Would you begin the conversation with us about these sleepless nights in these areas? God, would you let everyone here know how near you are, close enough to be touched. May we quick to call upon Jesus. So this we pray in the name of our Savior and our Messiah. Amen. So we're going to invite you guys. We're going to sing. We, we, we hope there's hope in this for us today. The same sort of hope that we read in the scripture of Psalm 42. Put your hope in God, for we will yet praise him, our Savior and our God. We find our hope in there and the hope in his love being way stronger than our brokenness and our fear to address it. Let's stand and may we be able to sing with a sense of hope. As we're done, each week of this year, we're going to invite people to come for prayer. If you'd like prayer, we're going to have any elder available to be up here and we'll pray. Because if there's something just heavy that's going on, we love to pray. But let's close with this voice, this song of praise about God's love being stronger than all we can imagine.